All right. Why don't you uh, introduce our next guest? Because I know deep down you wish she was your girlfriend. Well, yeah. Well, she always is, but she just doesn't know it. <laughs> Susan Waldman from WFAN and the Yankees radio broadcaster uh, joins us on the phone right now. Susan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, guys. And who are you talking about, the Washington managerial thing? Yes, or yes. We, were t- we were talking about the Washington job and whether or not Joe Girardi would have any interest in that, and would it be mutual? Well, if, you, if you're asking me, I think he's the perfect one, but I think it's a little too soon for, to think about that. And I did, according to Wade Boggs, haven't they already offered um, that job to Davey Martinez? He put out some kind of uh, twit, tweet a little while ago, Wade Boggs did, uh-huh. saying that congratulations to his friend and ex-teammate Dave Martinez. Um, did you know about this? I did not know, and uh, yeah, he could be wrong. I mean, no one's ever, uh, no one's ever confused him with a reporter. Well, but. we <laughs> we we know we know that uh, he is certainly one of the front runners for it, and we also know that they interviewed John Farrell yesterday. So, right uh, again, there's a money's a, an issue when it comes to this uh, with the Lerner family, and it, and it was certainly with with Dusty. And again, it's what do you got to do to keep a job anymore, Susan? <laughs> what do you got to well, do? No, I'll tell you what you have to do because when I heard the news the other morning about Joe, my whole mind and being flashed back to 1995 for the same reason. And Buck Showalter was fired, and then they went nicey nice with Joe Torrey. And it's almost the same reason because I remember that, and I don't know, you know, Buck, we, uh, the team lost that fifth game to Seattle in that wild card series. Uh, and they would have gone to the to the ALCS, and they lost that in '95. And Buck, who had taken the team and rebuilt it, and had all these kids, and they were ready to go. And he was the one who brought up Derek Jeter and Fassad in '95, so because he knew they were going to be um, the the future. And and all of a sudden, because he lost that game, he was gone. And they went quote unquote in another direction, and in walked Joe Torre. And I see the same thing. I see it back years ago with the Celtics with. Bill Fitch, and in walked Casey Jones, a, a different kind of voice. Where you're going to hear that a lot, and I think that they decided that, uh, like with Buck, he was just a little too intense, and they wanted, you know, that they want their own AJ Hinge, they want their own Dave Roberts, you know, those nicey nice guys that hug you, but do have that analytical mind and will not fight the front office. So it's interesting when you were describing that and comparing it to '95, the person that came in into my mind that's nicey nice like Joe Torrey is Dusty Baker but then you threw in the word you know somebody their own Dave Roberts or A.J. Hinch who works with the analytics you don't see Baker as a fit there do you at all? No I don't it'll be somebody younger who embraces what they do I mean you know as wonderful and I dealt a lot with A.J. Hinch and he's great to be around Mm -hmm. but don't make no mistake about it he's got a mind like a steel trap and when he was in the front office out in wherever it was, San Diego, he was like that. And he was the, one of the first people that I know that really embraced it. He also has a degree in psychology or a master's degree from Stanford or someplace like that. And so that he has both. And that's what they're looking for. Well, you know, um, they, you know they, how those they Stanford, really 
You know how those Stanford guys are. Some guys graduate in three years and become great pitchers. <laughs> and you know the only difference between uh, that pitcher's edu- uh, economics degree and mine, we're talking about Mike Messina. My first fight was with Mike Messina years ago when he, uh, he was sarcastic to me, and Craigie knows this, and I said, listen, don't talk to me like that. The only difference between your economics degree and mine is that my mother had to pay for mine because I, I don't play baseball. I'll tell you the great one. The and great- what did he say? He laughed. <laughs> And we've been friends forever. I love, exactly. I love Moose. Exactly. And you know what? One of the great stories I heard about him when he first became the Yan- a Yankee in, in 01, and, you know, Bob Shepard, God rest his soul, goes up to him and says, is it Messina or Musina? And Mike, <laughs> Mike just looked at him and said, I don't care. And Bob went, well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and you mentioned mentioning Musina, and that's certainly not the reason we had you on. I still it grates against me so badly how poorly he's done in Hall of Fame voting. And I looked it up again yesterday. His earned run average for his career was three six, six nine eight, six nine. Glavin's was three point five four in the National League. And Glavin's ratio is 1.31. Mucina's is 1.19. How is he not a slam dunk Hall of Famer, Susan? Well, because the people that are voting, and, 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 and Craig and I have gone back and forth on this, too. The reason the, the thing that like broadcasters them. aren't allowed to, to yeah. do this is idiotic, but whatever. Uh, my guess is that they don't take the things that we think are important, uh, besides the fact that Messina, Messina pitched in the American League East for his entire career. Yep. He pitched on teams. He pitched in that band box that you guys call home, yep. and then he came to Yankee Stadium had to deal with everything, and they don't look at stuff like that. It's all on, uh, you gave me some numbers, they'll give you numbers that we've never even thought about in our wildest dreams of why he's not. I would, I would vote for him if I, had a vo- yep. if I had a voice in this, I would, because you, they don't take those intangibles into account. Yep. Where he was, he was always like the number one, maybe the number two when he got to New York, but always that in the American League East for years. Yep. I, don't un- I don't understand it. I've never it's, understood it. it. Well, the other, the other part about it, too, for me, is that when you win 270 games pitching your whole career in the, in the American League East and you're 19th all-time in strikeouts, not to mention everything that Stan yeah. mentioned. I, I, I just don't get it. And I don't, now, they I, also have a big thing. I heard this a hundred times, even when he was playing. When he finally got that 20th win on the last day of the season at Fenway, right. I remember just say, saying to some writers, are you happy now? He did it, okay? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> because he never, you know, you have to take into account the teams he was on. Um, who I, Well, we, we're, we're talking to the choir here, the, yeah. all of us. Yeah, we yeah. all are in agreement about that. So, Susan, do you have anybody in your mind mind who fits all those criteria that the Yankees are looking for? Is it as obvious as the no, you know, the nose on your no, face? No, it's, it's not. Um, and and I've heard different different groups. And um, I had thought uh, my first immediate action was that rem- was that they would go in house with someone like the rising stars in the in the organization Josh Paul who managed in mm-hmm. the minor leagues and has been uh, catching coordinator and Sanchez loves him and has has great manager written all over him he will be a manager some sometime he's the ex catcher 
and he's been in this organization for a while now. The other was the ex-pirate um, Jay Bell and Diamondback, of course, who also is managing in the minor leagues. They both have that exactly what they're looking for. But I'm not. Sh- I'm, I heard yesterday that it wasn't going to be anybody in the organization. I've also heard names like um, Raul Labanez, who, by the way, if that was a choice, I'd pick him up at the airport. Yeah, um, has yeah, it all? Great. Has yep. that? And probably is not averse to telling you know the, the the upstairs people telling them what to do. They don't want any problem with this. They don't want to have to fight anymore. Um, the the way the game is changing. It's not the game that we see any that we used to see. And this is the way it's going. And they want someone that will incorporate what they are doing, and and have a different relationship um, with the players. And you know they want someone that can um, get Gary Sanchez to the next level. Um, they want someone who can maybe help Aaron Judge, Greg Bird, those people. Um, this is a different world. This really is. This is. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if you heard names like Abanya's, if you heard David Ross's name out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hearing Pete McKinnon, who does not, who does not uh, have any of those qualities, except mm-hmm. I guess he's pretty good with young guys. And I guess he did work with the Yankees uh, in the scouting department for a while, and, and Cashman likes him a lot and probably would not be averse. Uh, with the analytics department, they don't want any problems anymore. That's that's all I can think of, and they want someone that is. And I won't say younger because Girardi's not old, right. and he's the same age as a Jay Bell, and uh, you know those guys that they're talking about. Um, I think it's wide open. I do know that they've got a ten to twelve person list, and they're not going to they're not going to rush this. You're not going to get anything after the World Series. I wish they the other coaches um, have been told. An email went out last night evidently to all the clubs that they could talk to any of their coaches. So you've got some really fine men in there who um, Inclu- don't know whether they're going to be part of this organization or not going forward. Including Larry Rothschild. Yeah. yeah. That, by the way, I'm on record right now. That would be a major mistake. Yeah. Major mistake. Yeah. Yeah. But I can see it happening. They're very high on the AAA guy, Tommy Phelps. I can see it all happening. But... Um, as someone with the Cubs organization um, told me a little while ago, they were really sorry that they let Larry Rothschild go. Uh, Larry's terrific, and um, he's helped an awful lot of these guys, and uh, he's the one who made the game plan and everything for, for Houston and for Cleveland and did a fabulous job, and, and they, will, they will be sorry. But, you know, they've got young kids coming up. Maybe yep. they want someone who's worked with them in the minor leagues. I hope Larry is not part of this uh, dismissal of everybody. Susan, real quick, what? how bad was the relationship with Joe and Cash coming down the stretch? I, you know, I thought it was really bad for until they started winning, until they beat Cleveland. Um, what I thought was really telling to me, and you know, and Brian Cashman is the general manager, and he really believes in all of this, and he's the one who put this team together. Okay, this, these are his kids. They, he's developed them. He brought them here. Um, I thought when what was really telling Craig was when he made that mistake and didn't challenge. And they lost the game, you know, in Cleveland. Right. That game. Uh, what I thought was real when I really went, uh oh, was that no one from the front office said a word. No mm, one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't hear. Well, mistakes happen, and you know, Joe said he, you know, he first of all he gave reasons, 
And then the next day he said, no, I, I, I made a mistake. And, um, you know, he had tears in his eyes on the, on the podium. Right. And it was uh, that, you know, he was sorry. And then they came back and won the game, and I figured everything was going to be okay. And then they went to Houston and, you know, well, one game away from the World Series. But that's when I thought things were really fractured. You saw things of it during the season. There were times that um, that you knew that there were problems, that there were arguments and things. I don't know, you know, what they were about. I don't think they liked uh, the handling of Sanchez. Um, I think they wanted, you know, it's different than you know when we had uh, when we knew managers who would you know sit 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 down on the bench and and watch. But mm-hmm. now I guess you don't bench people. You have to you know touchy feely, make them feel wanted. You have to coddle them, and I think that's what they're doing. Give them I a participation trophy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we never thought a thing about, you know, Casey used to, you know, I'm, I know I'm talking years and years ago, you know, he'd pinch hit in the middle of the second inning. Right. Yeah. And they didn't care. You did what the manager told you. Those days are, are gone. So, and I just wonder if I, it's not that they don't appreciate what Joe did because what he did, taking a team in transition, going through all those farewell tours, people that he managed. He had to manage A-Rod. He had to manage Ichiro. He had to manage the end of Posada. He had to manage the farewell tour with Jeter, with Mariano. That's very, very difficult to do. And he did it all, and I think that he did a remarkable job. He got them to the point they were one game from the World Series. And I think they just sat down and said, going forward, do we want this person for the next three to five years? And I think they thought that this was the time, like they did with Buck. Absolutely, just like they did with Buck back in 95. They decided that this was the way to go. Speaking of Buck, uh, and I'm not trying to to use your privileged relationship with Buck, how how happy do you think Buck is right now in his situation here? Uh, Apparently, he and the general manager are not really close at all it's gotten I don't know a lot of managers and general managers that are that are that close they really aren't I I don't know a whole lot of those guys unless they're unless they really were unless the manager was picked by the general manager I I don't see that and you know Buck is um you know Buck doesn't like losing I think that's the thing that's you know Buck is all about winning and trying to find an edge and what to do and I think that bothers him more than anything he's handled George Steinbrenner he's handled years with all kinds of people and all kinds of nonsense going on. Buck Showalter can handle anything. What he doesn't handle well is losing. And I think that's the thing that got him more than anything else. So if tomorrow the dysfunction was, the the dysfunctional smoke was cleared away and and he and Dan were both offered three or four year deals extensions, would he accept it? Oh gee, I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't know. Okay. I don't. I, I don't know. I, I don't know yeah. that it has anything to do with another person. Okay. Buck's pretty strong. All right. Let's and if get he back. wanted, if he wanted to manage, he would. You know, you get you get a little tired after yeah. a while, and I think probably that's something that they're not going to have to not going to have to discuss, right? Well, they both are up after this year. Yeah. Dan and okay. Buck are both up after this year. Right. Well, they're, let's just say I've known Ken a long time, too. They're very different people. Yeah, let's very it that different. Way. <laughs> Susan, let me ask you this, and you were referring to it uh, in your discussion, but this whole situation with successful managers being fired like we've seen and and teams going and front offices going and wanting to hire managers 
who are more analytical, more sabermatrix friendly, and we know that that's the way the game is going. But then you look at A.J. Hinch last night, who doesn't go to the closer, doesn't he leaves Peacock out there for four innings and lets him save this, the game. It was very, very similar to what Bumgarner did against the Royals in the World Series several years ago. Uh, you know, he basically used the eye test as opposed to, no, you know, we got to go to our closer here in the ninth inning. Uh, look, I, I watched that Houston team for a long time, and, and we just played those seven games. Their bullpen is shot, yeah. including their closer. Now, there's a difference between going against the front office. And, you know, the days are gone. You know, there's no George calling Lou Pinnell and saying Don Sutton is cheating. Do something about it. Those days are gone. I think <laughs> they, they trust A.J. As, as a manager to know what to do in those situations. Jeff Lunau isn't saying you have to go to your closer there. Right. He, he, isn't, he knows what that. When we were there, when the Yankees played uh, Houston, I was wondering how A.J. Hinch was going to get through the game. Yeah. I mean, you really were, because they're shot. I mean, Davinsky is very different than he was before uh, the All-Star break, and Colin McHugh had just come back. They didn't know what they were going to get from McCullers. The only steady person they had in there, really, was Peacock, who really became, after all these years, really a revelation. Ken Giles wasn't good when he played the Yankees. The other other guy that was terrific with him, because I know I had him on my fantasy team, is Musgrove. When they moved him to the bullpen, he was excellent. Excellent. Well, he also was hurt. So you have you have guys coming back that are trying to be careful like that. Uh, Musgrove, um, still a thrower, very young. He's going to be really good. And but you know those guys are. I think you can use the eye test. It's not like they say you have to do this, you have to do that. But understanding what they're doing. Once you get into the dugout, the manager does. You know, should be able to do what he what he wants, but obviously, in the eye test, you want to go the other way. Um, obviously, the Dodgers sabermetrics people have decided that Rich Hill, after the second time around, uh, doesn't get people out. Right. So they took him out in the fourth inning. It came back to haunt them because Maeda didn't get it done. What doesn't get talked about in that is that this is the World Series, and maybe something else kicks in with Rich Hill, biggest yeah. game of his life. Yeah. And they don't take that into account, or they didn't that night. And if Maeda, you know, is great like he has been the, the other times, then we're not having this conversation. But A.J. evidently has the trust of the people upstairs, Jeff Luno and that whole group, and there's a slew of them. There's a slew of them up there, and um, he has the trust of them that he understands and embraces all the uh, analytics. And Girardi did too, by the way. So I think this is more a communication uh, problem. Girardi was always showing me, no, this is why we did this. Look at this chart. So I go, uh-huh. Two, two more quickies before I let you go, and maybe Craig's got one. But uh, we were talking about C.C. Sabathia. Has he pitched his way back into the Yankees, uh, you know, being the team to really beat to, to pull him away now? I, I certainly hope so. Yeah. I, he lives here, and, you know, I don't think money's going to be an object with him. He loves it here. He's raising his kids here. And as I said to him a couple of weeks before, we were talking about who should be back, and I said, you can't have everybody on the team being yeah. 22. Plus, right. plus, he's overcome a lot of demons, yeah. really, and yeah. you've got to give him all the credit in the world. for Well, also, there's, he, he was, if, yeah, you do give him a lot of credit, but he, if he, his magic finally ran out on that last game. Yep. But um, other than that game, I mean, he was 10-0 and 0 with, yeah. after a Yankee loss, and he's... It, it doesn't matter how much you've overcome and how much people respect you and how much you mean in a clubhouse if you can't get the job done. 
and they still think if they still think that he can get the job down, they would they could offer him a year or a year in an option or a yeah, year in investing, whatever they do. I think it's a mistake to let him go. Yep. You do need a leader in there. You really do. Yep. And you know, I know that Todd Frazier probably won't be back. That's that's tough on both sides because he was very instrumental in a lot of ways and really helped um, with the kids. Really did. He was the one who um, was always talking to Judge and always talking to Bird and always cutting up in there and being a real leader. But you know, Todd Frazier, 31 years old, it's the first time he's been a free agent, and you know they're not going. They're going to get under the cap. That's the the whole thing. The Yankees are going to get under that uh, 189 to reset for possibly going out and getting somebody big after this year. Susan, my last question for you has to do with Gary Sanchez, and, and it shows how old I'm getting. It's got to be 30, 31, 32 years ago was when Earl Weaver came back to manage the Baltimore Orioles after being away for a couple of years. I started noticing then that catchers back then, this is mid-'80s, were no longer throwing their mask to the side to receive throws from the outfield. How much of Gary Sanchez's problems, because I saw him four or five times in the postseason not be able to pick up a ball, that, that, especially that one key play where he muffed up, um, how much of those problems are simply him being unwilling or untrained to get rid of that helmet mask he has oh, so he can see the ball. I don't think that has anything to do with it. I, I, think he is, I think he was playing because he had such a bad year with the pass balls and everything. Yep. I think Gary Sanchez was so uptight by the end of the year that balls were clanging off his. I think he saw them. I just think he just was in the wrong position. He doesn't get down enough. If you watch him catching the balls that go between his legs, Tony Pena, who was a pretty good catcher, and Girardi was a pretty good catcher yeah. too, if you remember, he said he does, they don't get down fast enough. He doesn't get down fast enough. And I don't know whether it's work ethic. I don't know whether it's um, just not responding quickly enough. Um, but I think by the time the end of the year um, came up, Gary Sanchez didn't know whether he was coming or going behind the plate. All I don't right. think it's one specific thing because I think I think Tony Pena would have thought of that. And my last one for you is, uh, I, you know, I, I'm going to go on record and tell you, I think Jose Altuve is the MVP of the American League. Me too. However, yeah. however, I just want to find out from you because the times that he's been to Baltimore, we got a chance to be around him. How much of a pleasure is Aaron Judge to be around? Um, he's a warmer, more approachable cheater. Mm-hmm. He'll okay. never say a wrong thing in 20 years. He knows who he is. He um, is very well grounded. He's a delight. You know, you, you talk to him, and, and I've had um, reporters from other cities say to me, is this kid real? And yeah. I said, yeah, this his, is real. His folks a guy from the, one of the Toronto papers did an interview with him, and um, at the end of it, Aaron, like, you know, and he, he, the guy wrote it like he hated the Yankees, and then he talked to Aaron, and then evidently at the in, end of the interview, Aaron put his hand on his shoulder and said, I'm sorry, I've forgotten your name. I really apologize. What is it again? <laughs> and and wow. the guy said, no one in 30 years has ever, ever said to said me, that. what's your name again? Right. I'm sorry, I forgot. Right. That's judges. He's something. He's yeah. something really special. Yeah. That being said, I, if I had a vote, I would vote for Altuve, too, if nothing else, because of the consistency. He must have, Aaron Judge must have terrific parents. He, really uh, he does, have, yeah. indeed. They are around a lot, and um, he's brought up, you know, he's, he's a wonderful kid, and that's what I think is like Jeter. I'm not saying he's going to be that kind of guy, but now, by the end of the year, it was Judge um, who led the team out on the field. 
um, for 20 years. We had Derek Jeter doing it. And when Jeter retired, it was sort of a mishmash. At 7.07, you'd wait for somebody to run out. Nobody ever did. Yeah. Now, by the, by the middle of the year, it was Judge running out. He's, he's, he's something. He's something very, very real. I love you guys. I love your broadcast. Uh, always a pleasure to see an old friend like John Sterling and you pass through town. How many more years you got? You guys think you'll be up in that booth? Oh, John's, John said he's going to pass away in the booth. And he said that on, on radio once, and I said, well, let me know when it's going to happen, and I'll go to the ladies' room. Um, no, John, we're going to do it until they tell us to go away. Could be tomorrow, I, could be I don't five wanna, years. I don't even want to think of that because I was, at, I, seriously, I was at Nationals Park on opening day a few years back when Harry Callis. Yep. Oh, oh, all right, I didn't mean to be glib about no, that. No, 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 not at all. I understand totally where you're coming from, and, and, and I would be the same way. But, I mean, I, I was down in the, in the runway there when, yeah. I got a, when I got a call from Jack Hicks, our engineer yeah. upstairs. Oh, boy. And said that that's what oh, happened. Sorry to bring that back. That's well, all right. To change the, to change the subject, um, Stan, please tell your nephew that he's absolutely terrifying on the Menendez brothers. Terrifying. I just spoke to him the other night. You know, you know about his new role. He's, I know he, nothing about him because I'm still upset that he left the good wife. Well, that, he. I think the timing was right to get out before. And by that. the way, his um, his 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 turn on Kimmy Schmidt is remarkable. He's yeah. so funny. Did you see him on John Oliver? The thing he did no, on that. Oh, no. it was hilarious. Google John Oliver, Josh Charles, and it, it's about a five-minute piece. Very, very funny on takeoff on CSI Miami, and uh, which is a uh, Dennis Caruso. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does know, a takeoff yeah. on him. It's yeah. fantastic. I, I'm still mad at him because he never introduced me to Felicity Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> Felicity Hoffman, she, she, oh, has she been around? Uh, well, no, well, they did that show. They were in sports line, were in together. Sports line together. Oh, that's right. That's well, right. That's well, right. Don't, well, tell him, and maybe he'll call her up and bring <laughs> her over. I'm only mentioning this because he's in this new movie that he's doing with Alec Baldwin, and I forget her exact name. Is it? Um, it's Baccarat, the, the absolutely gorgeous girl. She plays John DeLorean's wife. And Josh plays DeLorean's engineer. He's filming that right now. Sounds oh, like an cool. entertaining movie. Oh, cool. I'll tell him. I'll pass well, along tell him that, he's, he's. I didn't recognize him because he's got facial makeup. He's got stuff on him. Right. But he's terrifying in I'll, Menendez Brothers. He's just like, like a psychopathic, liar, icky person. I'm going to tell him next well, year. Well, kind of an offshoot of Stan if you think about it. <laughs> I'm going to tell him next year he's got to stop up in the booth sometime to say I met him to. once in the in the press room. He's a great kid. When, and I couldn't talk because he was still doing Good Wife, and I was devastated because they killed him. I remember remember he came in right after he yeah, left the show, yeah. and yeah. I couldn't talk because it was he, and I didn't. I must have made an idiot out of myself. But did, anyway, did, he's tremendous, and you're related to him, so you must be tremendous to him. Did, did I ever tell you the story about my social media faux pas? The no. night, the night, the, yes, the you night. Told, he, yes, you said what happened. The night he got killed off on the Good Wife, right? That get, that show was delayed by about two hours because of NCAA basketball. So now <laughs> it's about midnight, and I'm not even thinking. So I type you in. Didn't. I said, I said without a spoiler alert. I didn't even know what what a spoiler alert. I said I just had the unusual circumstance of seeing my nephew. Killed, killed on television. Uh-huh. You would have thought I'd given away top secrets of the government or something to the North <laughs> Koreans. You asshole! You, you know, you can't. I mean, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. All right, Suze, great to talk to you. All right, guys, enjoy your off winner. season. We'll do this again. Bye bye. All right, love you. Bye bye, Susan Waldman, one of the best.